Welcome back to the Cardiac Exchange by Medtronic. So, so Martin, in, in terms of training, um, should a resident uh, first learn how to do open valve surgery before you allow him or her to do a minimally invasive aortic valve replacement? Well, that's a very good question. Um, typically, my approach for training is that uh, we, we master one step um, after we go to the next one. So we would start for stenotomy, and if the, if the resident is really good in stenotomy, we would go for cannulation and so on. Um, the same principle should go for, um, for aortic um, uh, uh, surgery if you go open or minimally invasive. I do think that the, the step from uh, full stenotomy to hemistenotomy is quite doable. However, the step from full stenotomy to anterior right thoracotomy is quite more complex. And this should be done after really mastering the, the, the normal surgery. Right, yeah. And, and what are the contraindications for to do it minimally invasive? Any, let's say probably the broad categories are coronary bypass surgery. You know, if you have to do triple valve, a triple coronary disease at the same time, you probably choose for an sternotomy or not. Bart, is that that is that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in com I mean, in combined surgery, we are also, but this is quite recent for us. For example, in double valve surgery, uh, there are many techniques that you can do these kind of operations through thoracotomy as well. There are a lot of centers in Europe doing this. And we also have early experience in uh, aortic plus mitral, even with the plus tricuspid. If you say coronary surgery cabbage for us, that's that's still a no-go. Then we are in full stenotomy. Uh, and I know there are some centers in the world who try then to combine a sort of mid-cap procedure with a minimally invasive aortic valve. But to be honest, for me, the, I'm leaving the I, I'm crossing some boundaries there in like length of the procedure and possible complications and so on. Uh, so uh, multiple valve surgery, if you have experience in trachotomy, is possible, is feasible, but uh, combining with cabbage will be full stenotomy. Right. And then Martin, the, the workup for a patient to undergo minimally invasive aortic valve surgery might be a little bit different in terms of what you mentioned before. There might be calcification of the vessels or even of the aortic ascending aorta and aortic arch. So do you make a routine CT scan in those patients? Yeah, so we, we um, do a routine CT scan in every patient um, who is planned for uh, cardiac surgery. Um, due to the fact that uh, calcifications can be present, but also, and this is more important, there can be soft plaques in the aorta, which are not seen and are not touchable. So you don't you don't know um, uh, when you cause a stroke. So we, we, we change this. We do a full aortic scan and, uh, below the groin um, for every patient. And therefore, we can, uh, we can plan the excess um, accordingly. Right. Yeah, you hate it more and more at this kind of routine workup for patients. And then in the heart team, you can decide whether, you know, the patient is a candidate for surgery or for transcatheter heart valves, and you have done the same workup as well. So, Bart, uh, do you agree with that, that approach? Absolutely. We, we are not in the, I have to say, in Belgium, we're not in the process of doing routine CT scanning for everybody. 
of course, if it is a patient who is in dubio, in doubt for transcatheter, he has a CT scan, and uh, because we have to look at excess route uh, as well. Most of our minimally invasive aortic valve surgery is mini sternotomy with central cannulation, so uh, we try to avoid the groin as well. Um, but it's a good point. I mean, CT scanning has become has become straightforward, easy, low radiation dose, low uh, dose of contrast uh, fluid. Uh, I mean, these machines have become so performant that you can really argue uh, that do it in every every patient. Um, it's not happening in Belgium for the moment, but um, I can understand perfectly if some centers have that in their fixed protocol. Yeah. So if we switch briefly to the mitral um, um, space, uh, what you heard at the meeting is also more and more people um, doing minimally invasive mitral surgery. I think that definitely is a trend. Um, some doing robotic mitral. Um, and um, is that a trend that will continue, uh, Bart, the, the minimally invasive mitral oh. surgery? Yeah, I think I, in my mind, we uh, the... Uh, all, all single mitral disease or single plus tricuspid disease is done through a sort through a mini uh, trachotomy approach um, using groin cannulation. Then I have to say, and this is a high volume of patients in in our center. We are talking about more than 150 cases per year or so. So they, I, uh, okay, and I think there's there's a, a huge amount of centers across the world with with very results this technique we are not doing robotic i have to say i have to be honest we have no experience in that but uh, i have to say the, the the incision that we make in the in the in the small right trachotomy for the mitral disease is is so limited uh, you have assistance by the by the videoscope and um yeah we, we don't see for the moment the, the major advantage of the robotic but maybe we are wrong but i have to say peter to answer your question um i think if you want to survive in my in the mitral valve field um yeah the the, the minimal access is, is becoming a sort of standard i have to say you cannot um if you want to be um up to date and um i mean you can it, it's i mean it's it's really needed that you have someone in your team with experience in, in minimal access mitral surgery right yeah, and, and you get more referrals probably if you do minimally invasive mitral than if you do, would do conventional. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, so, absolutely. I mean, the cardiologists are very sensitive to that um, uh, because in, you know, in the meantime, this technique is is long standing. I have to say, since many years, and they see the they see the decent results. They see very good results of both aortic valve, both mitral repairs as replacements, and so they. This has become a very well accepted uh, technique. Yeah. Is it sim similar in Vienna, Martin, that you do more minimally invasive mitral surgery as well? Yeah, definitely. We, we try to do uh, minimally invasive mitral surgery or in combination with, uh, with tricuspid. Um, and yeah, yeah, I, I think this is, this is kind of, uh, this is kind of a, real advantage because uh, for the mitral valve if the reconstruction is successful we don't have this durability issue so it's kind of a really good procedure and with um with the opportunity to cannulate the groin trans uh, percutaneously 
uh, we have only one incision. Um, um, we use the 3D Einstein system, and I think the 3D visualisa visualization further improves the ease of the procedure. And do you see the value of robotic microsurgery, or is a thoracotomy um, approach, you know, minimally invasive enough? Well, to be honest, the uh, visualization is the same. I would say it's very good with the 3D system. And um, robotic surgery is not really faster. And I don't know if it's safer. I don't think so. So, yeah, we don't do it, actually. And right. I, I, I don't see too much benefit. So, Bart, have you, have, you, have you noticed that there is an increase in robotic or do you think it will remain flat in Europe? Uh, Peter, to be honest, I have to say where um, I do see increased usage in robotic surgery to do the minimally invasive cabbage procedures like the mid-cap procedures and even some multiple vessel uh, procedures. Uh, we also, in our center specifically, we have one guy uh, doing a lot of those cases and, and then you do robotic harvesting of one or two EMOS and then a small trachotomy of the, of the vessels. And, and a lot of these patients are, are treated hybrid, you know, with uh, PCI of some vessels and then one or two bypasses uh, with, the, with arterial grafts. And I think this is, this is um, something for the future. In valve surgery, I have to say, but I, again, I'm not an expert in that, but I have to say I don't see a massive increase in the robotic mitral uh, field uh, because of, like I mentioned before, the great results with very small incisions in the in the port access or, or trachotomy procedures as they are being done for the moment. Right. And, and well, the trends in cannulation is, is uh, for, for mitral are pretty standard now, I think, isn't it? So um, it's I don't see any changes there in the way people do minimally invasive mitral, except that for the robotic. But uh, and any differences that or anything that you have noticed? at the meeting not really i think no so then maybe last but not least um, maybe briefly touch on coronary surgery um, of course there's been a lot of discussions about you know one is pci indicated when is coronary bypass surgery indicated any trends that you have observed at the meeting uh, in terms of coronary surgery uh, bart um not specifically. I mean, of course, we, we have seen um, the recent discussions on, on, on some of the trials, uh, the trial on, 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 on main stem treatment uh, and so on. There's, um, there is also now, a few, only a few weeks ago, a very recent publication about some um, a disconcordance or a, a disagreement between the, the surgical world and the uh, and some of the guidelines that were published on, on coronary revascularization. Um, uh, when, when I speak for my own center, we see that coronary artery surgery is, is very stable, or sometimes even in some categories, slightly increasing. I mean, we have a, the cardiologists are also sensitive to the long-term result of their patients. And I mean in multiple vessel disease, in complex mainstems, in diabetics, in, I mean, they, uh, more and more cardiologists are convinced of the 
the uh, optimal long-term result of, of decent coronary artery surgery. So, and this is in contrast to what was happening like, like five or 10 years ago when everybody was thinking that this was going to disappear. No, I see there is a field, this is growing. Um, of course, also with better knowledge on arterial grafting and so on. And, and, uh, but also these minimally invasive techniques and hybrid treatments, uh, they, they help in, in getting patients uh, well revascularized. Right. And, and Martin, is the same in Vienna. Do you see an increase maybe in coronary bypass surgery referrals? Well, we, we, I would say we have at the moment due to the coronary crisis more patients than we can handle actually. So there is definitely no decrease. I know that there is this discussion about um, what, 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 what is uh, since one and a half years going on is the discussion about main uh, left main steam uh, how to how to do and they're more and more uh, i think the, the societies are more and more separating because uh they, there is no there is no common uh, common agreement on this anymore but um uh but i would say that this is not there there, there is no decrease in the demand for bypass surgery at the moment and um i i don't uh, on the other hand also, there is uh, there is a discussion about uh, doing less revascularizations due to the results of the ischemia trial. So still, there is there is a trend towards less stenting. Actually, if if you if you read the data of the ischemia trial, right, you should not do too much stenting actually. And on the other hand, bypass surgery is still um, is still uh, not not decreasing because because patients who have severe coronary artery disease to profit on the long run from, from bypass surgery. Correct, yeah. Um, the, the, the trend in, in off-pump surgery, has that, has, have you noticed anything different the last, uh, let's say the meeting or the last couple of years in terms of off-pump surgery? Bart? Um, to me, this is sort, I, I mean, Okay, I, I come from a center, I was trained off-pump. We have a very high percentage, more than 90% of off-pump procedures. We were trained this way. And, and uh, But on the other hand, um, you have to be honest, when you when you look at outcome data in, in studies that were performed, the, 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 the difference is, is not so big. I mean, so I'm... I'm I, I don't feel confident in saying that off-pump surgery is, is, is significantly better. It might be better in selected patients in sick um, aortas, calcified aortas, and so on. And, and, but, um, and for me, it, it either maybe I, I didn't follow this discussion properly enough or close enough. Uh, but for me, um, I think that this discussion is sort of to the background more. I think centers are, are for the moment are sticking to what they do best. And I don't have an idea about percentage, but I think, I think it's still a minority worldwide doing off-pump procedures. I think a lot of cabbage surgery is still done on pump with using various techniques. Um, and I think this is, uh, this is okay. Right. So Martin, what's, what's for you the gold standard in Vienna? For in terms of coronary surgery, yeah, well, that's a that's a good question. So at the moment we do everything on pump um, and cardioplegia, 
but uh, the most arterial grafts in young, uh, more arterial grafts in young patients, we also have the vest uh, system, which is kind of supporting the veins. If we um, if you use veins and we do all veins endoscopically, um, but uh, we don't do off pump surgery because uh, the if you do we have we have a high number of residents and a high number of staff surgeons, and we really want to have the perfect anastomosis uh, because this is the long term benefit for the patient. So we 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 don't try to to uh, go off pump. We try really to have the perfect long term result. Great, yeah. And maybe last but not least, my last question is about thinking of the future. Um, you know, there's technocollege, but what would be really disruptive for cardiac surgery in, in terms of valve surgery, dissections, transplantation, or in coronary surgery? Bart, what would be your biggest wish? Um, it was touched, touched upon a few minutes ago by Martin, but the my biggest wish is uh, a, a perfectly durable heart valve. You know, they have, um, I mean, we are treating more and more patients. We are treating younger patients, aortic valve replacements. Uh, we are using tissue valves in younger patients. So either we need some kind of disruptive technology in the tissue treatment, or we need another material. Maybe we need polyurethane plastic valves. It's happening for the moment, I have to say. It's, uh, the studies are ongoing. Or we need an alternative to coumadin, warfarin. Mm -hmm. And this is also ongoing. There are studies ongoing uh, with, it, with, it, with uh, NOAX, with apixaban as an alternative to uh, warfarin. Um, I mean, so like a change in the, a, a significant material update in valves or a significant medication update for mechanical valves can become disruptive. But, but it's too early to say. Right. Yeah, but that's uh, the wish. And and Martin, what would be your biggest wish in cardiac surgery? Well, I think uh, what we what we should all uh, try is to improve uh, training. Uh, I think this is uh, this is a real this is a real optic at the moment, and to uh, to improve data quality for our long term results because I think. Our cardiology friends are way ahead with doing short-term studies, um, but we need long-term data, and this is our job to do, and this should be done by the uh, society, actually. On the other hand, I'm really happy with the, with the fellowship program of the ESCTS, and I think this should be also increased because this is a really good opportunity for young surgeons to improve their skills and in the end as, as surgeons uh, what is uh, what is going to count in the future is the skill set so this right. is a really good initiative absolutely uh, exchange of knowledge is, is critical um and i guess in the, in the in the past you know there were more and more surgeons that traveled in between countries in europe going to different institutions and uh, you learn a lot always when you when you visit another center so definitely so so it was great, great discussion. Thanks very much for, for joining. Thank you for listening to the Cardiac Exchange by Medtronic. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe to your preferred platform. You can also get more info about today's podcast and upcoming shows at medtronic.com slash cardiac exchange. Thanks for listening.